0: Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Inspiring Leaders podcast, a podcast brought to you by the Global School for Social Leaders. In this short format podcast, we aim to bring you inspiring speeches and stories from great leaders and change makers whose lives and words inspired people then and now. I am your host, Alejandra Villasiz. My role is to share with you a bit of context on the figures featured on the podcast and interview leaders with boots on the ground today, making change happen. Together, we'll get to know these leaders and learn about the effect they had and are having on the world. Some of our leaders are long gone and some are still alive. Regardless, they're all relevant and all deserve their stories to be told. I am so happy that you're here and that you allow me to share their stories with you. On today's episode, we'll listen to a businessman and philanthropist from Zimbabwe, the founder and chairman of Econet Wireless International, son of a minor turned businessman father, and a small-scale entrepreneur mother. He's the country's first billionaire and has provided scholarships for more than 250,000 young Africans over the past 20 years through his family's foundation. His name is Strife Masiyiwa, and today we'll Listen to him speaking with Professor Nari Woods, Dean of Blapnik School of Government. This talk t- took place on June 11th of 2018 and was titled Creating Wakanda: Youth, Technology and Entrepreneurship Across Africa. In case you don't know, Wakanda is the name of the nation ruled by the Black Panther in Marvel's cinematic universe. Although Wakanda is a fantasy, it has inspired a generation of Africans. And that is the center of this 80-minute discussion. If you want to listen to the full conversation after this episode, you'll find a link in the show notes. But enough of my babble. Let's listen Strive answer the question of whether the current speed of change brought on by new technologies will be an advantage or a disadvantage to countries at the global scale. Let's listen.
1: The the, the change itself is in a sense immoral. It's it's about how humanity responds, okay? Some will feel threatened and respond in in a threatened way. And some will see opportunity. It's about positioning people to see opportunity. That is, it's because we're not gonna be able to protect people from change but we can make them much more resilient in the way they respond to the changes as they come. So we're having to train people uh, in, in, in ways we've never had to train people before.
0: And in what ways? So if we're thinking about people on the continent, do you mean teach them to code before they're five? or, or what?
1: Absolutely. Those are just some of the things we're going to have to do. We're going to have to, for instance, in Africa, and anywhere in the world, I might say, totally upend our education system. It's absolutely not fit for purpose. It will not produce the people that can respond and operate within that environment. Now, to what extent are we willing to embrace the change? The way we approach Uh, education and science and maths. Africa is way behind, okay? Uh, And we have to pick up the challenge of how China and India, other developing parts of the world, are responding. Uh, What constitutes labor in the future is itself going to be profoundly questioned. So it's not enough to say we have a billion people. We may have a billion people that can't work because of the environment, because of the nature of the technology that we then face. Uh, so w- that means we have to begin to become a little uncomfortable.
0: In nineteen sixty eight, Masijiwa and his family fled to the north central Sambian town of Kidwe due to regional government instability. At the age of twelve Strife's parents afforded him the opportunity to study abroad at a private school in Edinburgh, Scotland. After graduating in 1978, he returned to Zimbabwe with the intention of joining the anti-government guerrilla forces, but was told by a senior officer that the conflict was almost over and that the country needed people like him to start rebuilding. In this next section, we'll listen to Strife's feelings about entrepreneurship, where universities are going wrong with education and why entrepreneurship is the way forward for the Africa continent and the world.
1: Entrepreneurship, both in terms of the way people approach problems. So don't look at entrepreneurship in a mechanical sense. Entrepreneurship is not about making money. It's a, it's a way of thinking towards, solving problems whether it's in social impact or for profit ventures or sustainability so we need an entrepreneurial mindset now because we you know we look at our universities <clears throat> we are producing graduates but they don't have jobs and yet if you got one of those graduates and said sit down can you draw me a business plan The universities didn't train them that. They didn't train them how to set up, run a business in the laws of their own country. They can't even register for tax. They don't know the labor laws. Because they were trained to go out and work for somebody. They were not trained in the mindset that says, you are the guy who's gonna create the job. Okay, so I I was recently in Israel, looking at the whole startup nation, philosophy because the philosophy in Israel and I was fascinated high school students setting up companies in school hiring their colleagues by the time they're leaving (coughs) high school excuse me they know exactly how to set up a company under Israeli law why shouldn't that happen in Nigeria but you get entrepreneurs in Africa who been at it for 10 years and they still haven't been persuaded they should be paying tax. <laughs> so how do we run companies, the countries? So uh, there, there is, entrepreneurship is an established pathway in Africa, it's not new. Africa survives on entrepreneurship, but it's about how do we recognize it, nurture it, and take it to the next level that will produce the enterprises that enable us to compete. We don't want to be the consumers of Google and Alibaba and Apple and Facebook. We want our own. That's not to say we don't want those to be there, but we want a generation of entrepreneurs, particularly at the elite level like you guys, to leave this kind of place saying, if Mark could do it, I can and should be able to do it. And and that is one of the pathways that we need to open up.
0: After a stint working with the Zimbabwe Post and Telecommunications Corporation, and growing frustrated with all the red tape, he saw the potential for wireless telephones in Sub-Saharan Africa. He went on to oppose his former employer, who had the monopoly in telecommunications, and after a lot of struggles and legal battles with his own government, he started Econet, which now has a presence in other African nations and the United Kingdom. Strife also owns just over half of a private company called Liquid Telecom, which provides fiber optic and satellite services to telecom firms across Africa. He doesn't believe in investing in natural resources. He believes in investing in people. These mines are odd to many of us, especially since wars have been started over fertile lands since the beginning of civilization. But Strife wants to move away from that. Let's learn why.
1: If you brought me a Nigerian oil block today, okay, or a Botswana diamond, uh, where, did, where, where diamonds are found in, what they call them? You South African. <laughs> well, where, where they find diamonds? Diamond and gold. I won't invest in them. And the reason I chose I will not invest in resources is because I want to move us away from seeing resources as the key to our prosperity. Okay. America produces more oil today than most people, but nobody thinks of America as producing oil or being dependent on oil. Okay, Uh, we cannot produce such smart guys like you, and then all we think about is how do we dig a hole in the ground to produce something, okay? Now, don't misunderstand me. It doesn't mean we shouldn't have oil and platinum and so forth, but I, I hate this idea in our schools where we say, we are rich because we have platinum, we have gold, we have oil. I want you to say we are rich because we are smart people that will find solutions and create enterprises of the future, okay? That includes using our resources to produce products ourselves, okay? And innovating around our resources. So so yes, that mythical idea is great, uh, but I want us to move away from that (laughs) That there is, we're all just waiting to strike oil and then we're off. Or we're going to, we're waiting to find diamonds and then we are off. No, that's, that's not the way we're going to have to build our future. That was for a different generation.
0: Strive and his wife Titsy have six children. The couple founded the Higher Life Foundation in 1996 driven by their deep Christian faith and their personal experiences with orphanhood. They have the mission to invest in Africa's human capital in order to build thriving individuals, communities, and sustainable livelihoods. The foundation focuses on health through emergency response, education, and training, as well as neglected tropical diseases, leadership, and lifelong development programs in the form of $100 million committed to rural investment, education through scholarship programs for orphaned children, job creation and sustainable livelihood, and the empowerment of girls. In 2020, Strive and his wife personally paid for Zimbabwe's doctors to return to work after they were striking for their payments. The couple will pay each doctor a substance allowance of about $300 and provide them with transport to work through the funds they have set for them. Most of the doctors on strike were earning less than $100 per month. Strive's main focus might be people, but he's still a businessman that knows how important profit is for a business to exist. Let's listen to him describe the three Ps and how we can get them right for our businesses and for the world.
1: We say we've got to get the product right. What's, what's the product here? That's always what, first, then, we talk of our three Ps. What, what's the product? Okay. Who's the customer to this product? How are we going to monetize this product? The world is full of great ideas. But you've got to get the product right. And you know, the thing with the product is, it's it's like the old generals say, that um, they, they tell you that, uh, a battle plan is only as good as your first contact with the enemy. Mm-hmm. We say a business plan is only as good as your first contact with a customer. Okay, you, 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 you might have great ideas, okay, uh, but uh, until you get to the person who's gonna buy this product, pay you for this product, because there's also a lot of products that people like that they're not willing to pay for, by the way, okay. And and people have developed business models even to cope with that. WhatsApp functions as a business in which the consumer of the product doesn't pay for it, but someone else does. Uh, Facebook does it. Now you've discovered it was global surveillance. (laughs) So someone else is paying in the background. So you've got to get the product right. Then it's about people, your people that are going to build this product, take it into the marketplace. How do you organize the people? How do you draw the talent at all the different aspects of this business? So, so we get into the people, your ability to draw talent, sustain the organization from ta- with talent. But taking the business into market is about process efficient business processes are the ones that decide how big you're going to be.
0: As we come to the end of our episode, we also come to our question of the week. Strive believes that the answer is in the people. He believes that the wealth of a country is not its natural resources, but in the endless potential of their people and how to get the potential out of them. With this idea in mind, What steps are you taking as the leader of your own life, of your community, of your organization, to harness the most powerful resources you have, yourself and your people? Maybe it's by creating a fun work environment. Maybe it's by constant challenges. Maybe it's by more time off. There is no one answer fits all here. So go and ask the questions. Ask the people what they need. Ask yourself what you need. And figure out how to provide it you don't know what you don't know so go out and ask those questions thank you dear listener for joining me today on this episode 12 of the inspiring leaders podcast a podcast made by the global school for social leaders i want to thank blackpass.org for their peace and strive which was amply used on this episode blackpass.org is an online reference center that makes available a wealth of materials about african-american and African history, in one central location on the internet. The compilation and concentration of these diverse resources allows BlackPast.org to serve as the Google of Black History. I would like to invite you to check out their website, you'll find a link in the show notes of this episode, and if possible, make a donation so they can continue their great work. If you have any suggestions, feel free to reach out to the Global School for Social Leaders on Instagram or Facebook and suggest a person for us to feature. You can also now join us on Clubhouse, on our t- club talking about leadership every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central European time to talk about leadership and how it intersects with topics like immigration, education, inclusion, sustainability, and many others. This was it for today, dear listeners. This is Alejandra Viasis. hoping you have a great week and to see you next time for another inspiring story. Take care and keep putting good things in the world. And hopefully see you next time. Bye.